Brooklyn, and welcome to another episode of Eat Puff Love. We are your host, Growler. And I'm your boy, Vibes. How you doing today, Vibes? I'm good. How about yourself? Bro? I am doing so good. Let me tell you, it is a nice day in D.C. We have our cannabis going, we have our cocktails, and... We have someone on the line with us. We do. Everybody, I want to introduce you to one of my very long and good friends, as well as a sex expert, couples expert, and just an all-around awesome person. Everybody say hello, little puffins, to Amy. Hey, Amy. Hello. Hello, Eat Puff Love. I'm very happy to be here. Vibes and Growler. Thank you for having me. So glad you're here. Yes, we are so grateful to have you here. How are you feeling today? Doing so good. I'm, you know, been very excited to be on this podcast. I think I reached out to you because I was listening to it in the middle of Costco one day (laughs) and smiling about what everybody could hear in my ears if they knew what I was listening to. (laughs) They would just laugh at me, you know. I remember you saying they need something to say. Yeah. Hey vibes, I'm loving your vibe, and then, <laughs> and then we, and then here we are. How here we are. It? Hashtag play eat puff love in Costco out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag the future is eat puff love. <laughs> get it wherever you get your favorite podcast. Get it wherever you get your favorite podcast, and hopefully your favorite co- podcast is playing over the radio in your grocery store. <laughs> Or wherever you get your favorite rotisserie chicken. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what y'all get at Costco, but, you know, we get toilet paper. (laughs) No, you know, here in D.C., the Costco, you can buy alcohol. So anytime I've ever gone to Costco, the intention has always been to buy copious amounts of alcohol. (laughs) Alcohol. Except in the state that I am currently residing in. Costco cannot sell alcohol, mm. so we do not get alcohol at Costco anymore. Mm, that's right. But when we go to another state, we do buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm assuming that there's like, uh, you know how you get those soda cans that are in that, that deadly six-pack uh, that with the plastic that's terrible for ducks. Oh, I'm, assu- yes, I'm assuming you can right. get six-packs of vodka there. or <laughs> No, no, no. They just have it at like wholesale rate. So it's a little less expensive if you want to buy your favorite bottle of whatever. Mm. You buy a giant thing of vodka. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, actually, sidebar, all of the the same distilleries, like, you know, like Grey Goose, premium vodka is using the same distillery that Costco's vodka is. Yeah, I did know that. Yes. Yeah. I knew this, too. I did know that. And they really... It takes a lot to get to be a vendor to Costco. Like you have to meet rigorous re- regulations. Mm-hmm. So, so they actually some people say their alcohol is actually better than people give it credit for. So, okay, you know, okay. So I'm with it, and it's I'm like 1999. Pro, you know? 1999 a bottle. Okay. <laughs> you get a, a whole year supply of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> but they also have wines. They have like, tons of bottles of wines. But how do we get on this topic? I, I because I am sitting here and I'm like, you know what? My first question was actually going to be for you to tell us who you were, but we know who you are. You go to Costco and you buy a year's worth of vodka. 
person to eat pufflam. Puff puff Yes, we need to know more. Tell them more because there, there is much, 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 much more. So, yes, please tell us a little okay. about who I'll, Amy is. I'll tell you a quick little summary about who I am and why I'm on your show. But my name is Amy, and I am a marriage and family therapist, and also I am an ASET certified sex therapist. And I've been doing that job for about 15 years in the Seattle area, and it's just become a niche that I I have a lot of sex therapy clients. I have lots of kink or poly clients. I do lots of religious sexual shame in my practice. And I also like cannabis. And can I go way back? So is that is that, I don't is that enough of an introduction? Yeah, that, no, it's all right. It's all right, Amy. Sorry. It's okay. It's a, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Have I no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. No, this okay. is what post production is for. Yeah, not okay, at all. Well, I promise I will only do blowing <laughs> in certain situations, but not anymore by saying your name. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? I almost I almost want to just bleep out his name and keep that whole segment that just happened because that was good. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking Maybe too. Maybe you could be an outtake or something. You can make it an outtake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try hard not vibes. Vibes. It's, it's all. It's all good, good. Vibes, baby. It's all good. good vibes. So here but we go. Vibes. Was yes. there anything else? Well, I just think that how we could talk briefly about how we came together. Yeah, I'm interested in how you two got to know each other. Maybe you oh. can tag team this one. I'm interested in how do you it's both know each other? Story. Yeah, so let's tag team, this vibe let's yeah. tag team it. I'll okay. start. So um, I used to work for an organization here in, in the D.C. area, and um, Amy's dad was my boss. I was his assistant. Well, one of his assistants. This is true. And um, uh, Amy came to visit after you had been abroad in Japan. And um, she was here in D.C. for the summer, and we sat side by side in the same cubicle. And I don't know if Lee kind of set it up that we were going to become friends, but immediately I feel like we became friends. (laughs) It was like immediate. It was immediate. And I don't even think that it was intentional that we, that my dad put us next to each other. I was just covering for someone that was on maternity leave. And it just worked out that we sat together, but we, from the very beginning, started to like each other. Not like, 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 you know. Not like, like, like. 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 (laughs) (laughs) No, because at the time. But we we had, like, good vibes. Like, our souls, like, knew each other. Yeah, absolutely. And we just. Go ahead. We felt really connected. I just thought we felt super connected. And then we became friends outside of just work. Right? Yeah. And you just showed me around D.C. So I lived there for, I think, the whole, like, end of summer into all the fall. And then I moved mm. at Christmas time. But we had just a, such a good autumn together, didn't we? We but did. I had Amy up in the mm-hmm. bachelor's mill. God rest its soul. I had her in all the, like, blackest, turned up gay clubs. <laughs> In D.C. Okay, but this is what's fun. This is the fun part. So, Growler, yes. you probably don't know this, but I'm going to tell you this fun story. So okay. Some, some of the things, 
part of the reason why I think I became a sex therapist, I knew I was always going to be a therapist. I knew I always wanted to be a marriage and relationship therapist. Like, that was always calling to me. And I liked to talk about sex a lot. I did like that. Yeah. And my, really, like, my experience hanging out with Vibe in D.C., and we went to New York and everything, but it really... We had so many fun conversations about sexuality. Yeah. Don't you think, Vibes? Yeah, we definitely and, did. And what was kind of fun is it was this, like, Seattle white girl and then, like, <laughs> the East Coast, <laughs> you know, kid. And we were just this very interesting pair. And but the thing is, is, you know, Vibes took me all around and really opened up my eyes. To, I think that was my first drag show. You took me to my first drag yeah. show. Wow. I, and also, just because of our conversations so much around just queer topics and things like that, and race and gender and sexuality in different cultures around America, mm. you know, like we had so many fun conversations like that. And so I think some of those experiences really were the roots of my really interest in a lot of the bigger opening doors of sexuality. It was wow. really fun to hang out with Vibes that is, during that, that time. That's a big compliment, Vibes. How are you yeah. feeling over here? I'm trying to get all teary-eyed. <laughs> I, I think that's awesome but because... Then, yeah, go ahead. I just turn. feel like that, yeah, that was your experience, and my experience was I was able to share a little bit more with someone that I felt really connected to and felt really open and able to say and say, yeah, see... And be a part of, yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, it was so fun. It was such a fun friendship in my life at such a critical age for me, you know? Wow. And so, but then, and, but then Vibes came to visit me in Seattle. Yep. And this was fun because it was really interesting to see the different cultures around sexuality because I think I took you to a gay, a gay club, right? Yeah. Right, Vibes? Like, yeah, we did. And it, it was in Seattle, and so Vibes had taken me to clubs in the D.C. area, which was very, had very different cultural dynamics, mm. and then when Vibes came out to Seattle, I think your eyes were really open to the different cultures that Seattle was, the different sex culture that we experienced yeah. there, you know? Yeah, so. I, th I think in that moment, there was a couple takeaways when I came to um, C um, Seattle. It was, okay, all people of color, you know, all people black, brown, are partying together because they're a part of this subgroup of culture and this is what the dynamic of this city looks like and so they have each other and so they're not, not that they're not having issues or whatever, but they're partying together, not like D.C. where we're, everything is segregated, but right. it's supposed to be progressive. Right. And then the idea of like just body positivity, you can mm. be who you want to be, you can look how you want to look on in Seattle at that time, and that wasn't what was happening here on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. It was here, you yeah. know, you have to fit this form of what society said at the time what was sexy, which was like buff and built and all, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was an eye opener for me, absolutely. To start like yeah. embracing myself. but it was just so fun. It yeah, was and fun, fun too. Era of like even my awakening of sexuality from, like, such a different perspective of what I had grown up experiencing, right? Yeah. And so it was it was really great for me to just be exposed to Vibes' world, and it was so nice 
of him to really open it up to me in a really, I mean, we were, we were buddies, but I mean, you didn't have to do that really vibes, you know, <laughs> like you didn't have to take me to your clubs and stuff, but I mean, it was just, it was, it was just so fun. It was just, it was, it really opened up my eyes. Like it forever, that drag show would just, is going to always be forever a special thing in my heart. And, um, I've been to many drag shows since, but Miss Honey, Miss Honey. But I also just think it was just we had such rich conversations at just a critical age for us. Yeah. To really be talking about how we discovered our sexuality too, because I was asking you lots of questions about. Okay, Growler, you like this, okay? So we went to New York, and Vibes definitely was teaching me some things about like just. Like, ob- like, uh, just basic observations of people around town, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and vibes just really gave me some education in a in a really wonderful way mm-hmm. that was just I don't know I just loved it. So it was just that relationship that I had with vibes really informed me in so many ways to want to become a sex therapist and to want to be able to say, oh wow, look, sexuality is so much bigger than what I have experienced in my little bubble. by subscribing to wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and remember to eat puff love go welcome back welcome back welcome, welcome back, back little puffins yes we're here with my friend amy who is an extraordinarily um extraordinary extraordinary excuse me <laughs> extraordinary <laughs> Uh, marital and sex therapist. Yes. And um, Amy, we were talking about earlier about how we met, uh, but I wanted to transition the conversation a little bit uh, just around about okay. um, sexual health, um, sexual awareness. I don't know what to call it, mm-hmm. but I just think about myself and how, you know, over time, you know, you were talking about how I how we interacted and how you understood like sexuality and that piqued your interest. And I'm like, I've been kind of in a space where later after that whole experience, we've known them for a long time, but now I'm like really experiencing and learning more things about myself. Like I was married briefly for a while and in a monogamous relationship. Then I decided that I was going to be um, ethically non-monogamous after that ended. And, uh, introduce myself into like outwardly saying oh i'm into kink and i'm a baiter you know someone who would 
enjoys masturbating and I'm a naturalist yeah. out you know yeah. showing my body out in the open all these things that I was kind of probably always had thought about but not owning and I'm wondering I have my own understanding about how that happened for me but I'm wondering for our people who, people who are listening like what do you think about the journey how does it happen I know it happens differently for others but like what words of wisdom or yes okay things here are my words of wisdom it has been fun vibes to kind of you know watch your kind of just and you know the years that I've known you watch how things have unfolded for you too so this is definitely an important question because you know as a sex therapist you know people come into you know a therapeutic space and sex therapy isn't where people touch you or have sex with you that's a, a different kind of you know Right. You know, sex things that I would re- refer people to, but in terms of like getting to that inner listening, what I usually talk about. So Emily Nagowski is an author that wrote a book called Come As You Are. Have either one of you read that book by chance? No, I have no. not. But it, but is it but okay. is it spelled C U M as you are? <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was. It's not, but it does have a very provocative front cover of like. It is probably a little bit more vulva-focused. Okay. And so that's why I asked, like, maybe you guys haven't read it. No. But at the same time, there are things in there for all people. And Emily Nagowski, she's very sciencey with her research, and she's it's very accessible. Her TED Talk is worth listening to. But what it, one of the my favorite things that she talks about is we are kind of born into this garden. And, you know, the soil and the light and all that stuff around, specifically our sexuality, is very interesting to go back and look at it and be reflective of like what was the soil of your sexuality that, that you were grown up in right so part of what I get to do with my clients is being able to really in a, in a more adult way your a more adult self look back on this this very important part of ourselves our sexual parts of ourselves mm. is such a fragile tender part that stays with us through our whole life right and sometimes that part of us gets violated earlier than it right. needs to be, or that we get messages or we get scripts around what our sexuality should be, right? right? Now, vibes, I remember for you, like, we had so many conversations about what it meant to be a queer man in, in like, the culture that you grew up in, right. right? And we had so many fun conversations about that, but what everybody, not everybody, no one has to do anything, but when you're really trying to get reflective about, hey, how do I, like, listen to my own inner, like, sexual self and honor that and really look at it with some compassion sometimes for the first time right mm-hmm. and accountability too accountability to your own sexuality and also being able to say oh guess what maybe I've given away a lot of my authority around my sexuality through my life for whatever reason whether it's family culture religion just awful experiences that you've had you know sexual assault whatever it might be that then gets imprinted on your little tender soul of your, your sexual self Right. And so sometimes as you grow up and you think, oh my gosh, what's happening? And you get in relationships that kind of call out some of these parts of yourselves or even personally, like you just want to make some changes around your own sexual narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the important things to do, I'm sorry I'm talking so long, but I'll, I'll get to my point is that Emily Nagowski talks a lot about saying, how do you cultivate your own garden of sexuality? And sometimes that's really having to start from scratch for some people to say, 
I want to make meaning and I want to make sense of everything that's happened to me that kind of shaped where I am right now sexually. And then one of the most important parts of that is being able to honor all of the phases that you had with your sexuality and see where your journey is or how you're growing up or how you're evolving or getting into kinks or just being more comfortable masturbating and enjoying the pleasure of that, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then what's so important too is like also talking about the vision of what you want to become, what Mm. your sexual self wants to become, right? Like what are your hopes around your sexuality? You know, it doesn't just end, you know, when you, I don't know. I don't know when people think what is the ending of sexuality. I don't There's like not a pinnacle that everyone needs to be striving for. So anyway, just making peace with your sexuality is what I love to do with clients. Like what I love to see from people that are really wrestling with some of that identity stuff around it. So and it's interesting what I would said- have to offer is that how do you have joy and confidence in your own sexuality? And it's such an important part of ourselves. All right, now I will take a break and have you respond. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, I get no airtime with this girl. No, no, okay. no. no, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> because you know what I took away from that was, especially the last part that you said about um, owning your future sexuality, like making sure that you're crafting yeah. the way you want it to be. I like, guess. that's the part that. Like for me, um, and now I feel like I'm in I'm in a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want it. I want it. I want the juice. I'm like <laughs> for me, that's like where I'm at right now. I want to make sure that I'm crafting it the way that I want it to be. Yeah. For me, and also the people who in which I'm engaged with or in partnership with. Right. You know, and wanting it to be what it, I want it to be. Not what, you know, those past things that you talked about, maybe trying to say it is, and just living in what I want it to be and striving to make sure that I'm doing the work to make it that way. And I don't think that I've ever really deeply thought about my sexual health in that way before. No, no. And and even as, like you said, like thinking about it from like, okay, these past experiences, this soil is it exists and uh, it's a part of, of my story however there's this level of of control that i have around like what do i want today though and what do i want to move how do i want to move forward yeah like that got me over here like oh my gosh <laughs> you said you're in a therapy session i'm like oh my gosh am i having a breakthrough <laughs> right now <laughs> i haven't even like Maybe told you anything good. yet <laughs> I'm having a whole breakthrough. Everybody gets a breakthrough today. Hey, I'm here for the breakthroughs because that's the thing is that, that, like, what people don't realize is that everybody has a sexual story, has a sexual narrative, has painful stories, has beautiful stories, right? And a lot of times, especially, like, when you think about, like, the queer kink community, right, oh, there's some painful stories in that because some of those messages that people have about being queer and being kink specifically are not from an informed place, right? right? And so most often stories around sexual sexuality come with so much shame, right? And so how, how do you make shame? How do you get shame to kind of 
leave your body, right? Like, how do you, and I tease all the time, and I probably inappropriately say it all the time, but I just, like, want people to, like, orgasm their shame out of their body. And I don't know how that is a scientific <laughs> thing, but I think what... Hey, <laughs> if you can do... <laughs> these breakthroughs, right? Like, you having these breakthroughs, what we don't realize is that, like, sometimes some of the breakthroughs that can happen are so inside of ourselves that are so related to some of the sexuality stuff that comes up inside of us. A lot of the shame, a lot of the self-hate, a lot of those things, the kind of the critic inside is a lot, there is a lot wrapped up in the sexual shame place of that, of that part of us, right? Mm. So, oh, it's just all of the stories, they're just a lot of sad stories. And so what I say in all of us is how do you then become the new author of the rest of your story, sometimes there's things that happen to you that you had no control over, right? Right. And so being able to kind of say, oh, I, I get to be in charge of this, and how do I be my own sexual self, right? And I, I tease all the time that, you know, I say this all the time, that no one, that nobody wants a threesome with anxiety. <laughs> a threesome with anxiety. I also That's say right. nobody wants a one sum. Like no one wants a one sum with anxiety. And what we know definitely is that shame creates a lot of anxiety inside of people. You know. Yeah. And so when you're trying to say, how do I get back to myself around sexuality? How do I own my own sexual story? How do I really be comfortable with what what are my yums and what are my yucks? And like okay there's other people's yums and yucks and that's fine but like I need to figure out what are mine and how right. do I experience pleasure in my whole body because the shame is a real it's a real horny killer you know mm-hmm. it's a real boner killer yeah. it's a real like you know like desire stopper you know and so that shame and anxiety it is not a place that we want to have in the bedroom it's, or in the bathroom or outside in the open air, wherever you're doing the sexy thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> but really being able to say, personally, we all have to be accountable for our own sexual stories and how we are making sense of that and how we are holding that in our bodies and how we're holding that during sex, right? Because our bodies remember. Our bodies remember some of the traumas and the sadness happened to us. But we break in sexuality and we heal in sexuality. I always say we break in relationships and we heal in relationships. So it is in sexuality that we can heal a lot of some of that, those broken places. Hmm. But you can't do it without kind of an awareness of self when it comes to it all. So I love the breakthroughs. I, yeah. lo- I love that. You know, it's got me thinking. Um, it's got me thinking about how people oftentimes will use kink as a way to um, to, to explore things that they want to explore and to um, try new things, but I also hear you say, uh, and correct me, what I also hear you say is that there's there's um, a level of confronting of those things and also intention setting that even if you, you decide that I'm going to be dominant and I'm going to put on the outfit, but if you've not done the actual work behind, um, behind addressing who you want to be then um you're just somebody in a fancy costume yes and like sometimes when i when people say like doing the work like what does that even mean like right. that is such a, a like a concept that sometimes what is what the hell does that mean and when we're doing our sexual work what is that right. what does that even mean right 
but I do think it's this place of being able to say, like, I want to look at my own story and see how some of the experiences that led me here, some of the messages or some of the narratives that I internalized deeply, whether it's around at least, you know, like for me, I would definitely have some messages that I received from the religion I grew up in around like some sexism around yeah. sexuality, right? Yeah. And so what ends up happening is couples come in a lot of times and they, they're kind of like blaming the other partner, sexual whatever, fill in the blank, sexual adventures, sexual kinks, the fact that they're even interested in pornography, whatever it might be, there's oftentimes this finger pointing that says mm-hmm. like, fix them. You know, I'm coming into you to do sex therapy, please fix my partner that has all these whatever things are. Yeah. And what ends up happening is you can't just like point the finger at someone else without really having to confront your own self and sexuality, right? right? And so what does it mean to do the work? Well, what it means to do the work is saying, okay, well, here is here is my sexual story and here is like places where maybe I have some internalized homophobia, hmm. right? Because yeah. sometimes that stuff that you were some of that soil, some of that garden that you're born into is still in there, right? Right. So for me, I'm going to be personal. For me personally, it was this idea around for women. There's a lot of ideas around, or I should say vulva owners, okay? This idea around not receiving pleasure. Mm. I know know y'all are probably more in behaving with men. Maybe penises more than vaginas. That's my guess, right? (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. Okay. But, this, but, like, having to unpack a, a deeply internalized message that I had around the fact that I was to be only performative in my sexual experiences because, heaven forbid, a, a man better pick me to want to fuck me, right? And so I better be fuckable. And so I had a lot of work to do for myself to unpack being able to receive pleasure in a partnered sexual experience, right? Mm. Because some of the messages that I had was that I was to be beautiful and pretty and, like, pleasure is a secondary thing to what I'm supposed to be providing for my partner in the sexual experience, right? So, so many women have to then really unpack what it means to, like, actually own your pleasure, be in pleasure, know what your pleasure is, know how to articulate what you want and like, you know? So lots of times, like, with, like, um, people that identify as women in, in therapy, that is a lot of the work that's happening. But with any with any kind of thing, you know, there's shame around kink. And so it's like, okay, well, then how do you work out the fact that you're a baiter? Yeah. Right. Did you have any shame that you had to work out through that, that you had to, like, face and take accountability for? Well, you know, when you were speaking about, like, you were talking about um, how, in general, what I would say how society dictates how we should all be, like, patriarchy, talking about how women should be. And I'm thinking how that even flows over into um, relationships that are within people who identify as the same gender. And the idea that you have to take a role, like this idea of um, top and bottom. Top and bottom. And how even for... Yeah, yeah, like all about the size now. About you know? yeah, about the size of your penis or or your dick or this uh, the or about how long you can last it yeah. so you don't you know seminal fluid ejaculation or that if you are even thinking about exploring any kind of both anal play, then you're somehow not fulfilling your role as a man because the top yeah. meant man and you know so yes. a bottom means 
basically woman, right, in patriarchal structure, and how all of this shit is happening, and everybody's experiencing this kind of, like, warped sense of sexual self, um, because this is the way our society says this, we should exist, and it's like, when you're like, okay, yeah, like you were saying, like, okay, now I'm a baiter. Well, hell, I've loved masturbating for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me through. <laughs> You know, and I enjoy it. And, um... So, so, but also, if I were to ask you deeply, like, tell me the roots of, like, where you started doing that for yourself. I bet it's from a very young age. Yeah. You know, I actually taught... It became a coping mechanism for a lot of stress relief. Yeah. Absolutely. I I learned how to masturbate literally from reading in a book. Me too! I I went to my public library in my hometown... And I was like researching like sex stuff because I was I was curious. And even though my mother is a, you know an active therapist, we she just had very mechanical. She doesn't want me to talk about things like this on. But anyway, my it was basically I learned from a book, and I went and I did everything that it said in the book. It was some old like probably stuff from like the sixties. Oh my gosh! Okay. I produced. You know, an orgasm, I came, and okay. from there, I just continued to do it, and it's been like a thing. I mean, I'm, and now I'm of age where I do it, and I do it proudly, and I'm not ashamed, and I don't yeah. know that I was yeah. ashamed amongst my friend set, because, like, I was, like, the one research, researching shit online, like, <laughs> internet, like, hey, you should try this, because, you know, I like sharing things. I like sharing information, okay. um, but I think sharing more about like becoming a part of a community i think that happened later in life and that happened when growl and i met because he was already like i'm a baiter i'm like what's a baiter what does that even mean like you know uh and amy you you said you like these kinds of stories so i'll also share that um that's where i learned from as well i there was i would go to the public library and I would go into the section on human sexuality, and I would look at the books, and there were a lot of books about, like, um, there's, like, books about, uh, you know, as uh, my, 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 my changing body, my, <laughs> yes. you know, yes. what it means to be a boy, what it means to be a girl, this is what penises yeah. look like, you know, and it even... It tried its best to show a diversity of penises, um, and it was just like, oh my gosh. Um, but I learned from a book, and um, and honestly, I learned from a book um, about how to uh, anally pleasure myself as well. And so, okay. So that, Good, because here's the thing. I'm, yeah. I'm, I always feel happy when people can get the resources that they need to be able to have a fully informed consensual experiences, yeah. you know, fully that you can go into anal, an anal experience and know that you're safe, that you're going to be prepared, that you can be confident, like all of that stuff. I love that you can find that information. Yeah. Was the library. Yeah. It was in my public library. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I, I, the books were checked out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think the passage of my book was, um, if I kind of remember it, it was like, from, like I said, from the 60s, so it was like, if you want to masturbate, 
go into a closed room, ensure the door is locked, <laughs> set mood lighting, yes, mood and lighting. vigorously but rub I your penis it, until it becomes out. erect. Huh? But, but for, some, for some bodies that have grown up really feeling that that is what they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Right? yeah. Or you think about trans bodies and you think about for them how they felt for so many years, what I am in the wrong body. Yeah. It's not right. Things are not connecting. And, and so it's like, it is one of those things. So, like, vibes when you ask me, like, how do you do that kind of inner work? How do you guys, how do you get to that place? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, when, when people feel ready to be able to, to talk about some of the stories like this, right? To be able yeah. to say, hey, and, 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 and like, you know, I love, I always love sexual debut stories, like, to hear about <laughs> first times, you know? For, for many things, first times, like, you know, there's just so many first-time stories that are just so much fun. And when it comes down to it, to give yourself some just generosity and looking at how clumsy sexuality is and how a lot of a lot of people just don't know what we're doing, you know, for one. Yeah. And really being able to learn yourself so that you can learn how to communicate with anybody that you're choosing to be sexual with or sensual right. with. So that you can express yourself, right? So that, like, the work, quote-unquote, that you are doing to be able to really think about your sexual story, think about how it's influenced you, think about how maybe your parents' experiences and what's how they informed you and teachers and the library and all of these right. all of these resources bring you to this place of where you're trying to be a whole integrated sexual person, yeah. you know? And so I think it's worthy work to do. You know, and I Absolutely. think it's lovely work because I do believe that having sexual connection with yourself and with other people is a joy and should be something to be greatly celebrated. So <laughs> I yes. love that you met Growler. Yeah, he's over here playing footsie right now. <laughs> ask me a question I welcome questions as well okay so I'm I guess my curiosity is when you think about like your little baby development self yeah what what's going on like if you look at it now if I look at it now as I look at it now um, I grew up in in a very religious space and um, I, I remember going to the true love weights conferences um, where they told us to um, to abstain from sex and um, and um, and then they hierarchied like what was worst, you know, like oral sex was really bad on the list. Really um, bad. Okay. Um, no mouth and no mouth and no mouth and then especially yeah, <laughs> especially if 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 it was considered gay and they were like definitely not that. Okay. <laughs> you okay. can't be doing that. Okay. Um, Tell me what what like where did you grow up? What location in the world? I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. And so, um, so he's Midwestern. I'm Midwestern in that way. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, but I I also grew up in a in a very artsy space. Um, I grew up. I went to performing arts um, schools. 
And so I was always around other queer people and was around people who were um, outwardly queer people who were trying okay. things and, and exploring things. And so, um, yeah. And by the time I got to college, I was leading Sunday night sex talks where <laughs> I was, <laughs> I had moved on and was trying to get other people to come talk about sex. <laughs> okay. Yes. So from a pretty young age, you were pretty clear about that was kind of bullshit that you weren't going to swallow that. You know, it took me, it took me a while. Not that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while. And honestly, um, I, I find, I find parts of it still popping up every once in a while and me having to like, like evaluate what am I doing and why am I doing that in that moment? Um, and, or why I feel a specific way in that moment. Um, Mm. you know, I think, um, like, well, not I think, especially around conversations concerning like homophobia, like internalized homophobia is real. And yeah, um, it is real. And so, um, you know, every once in a while I have to like check myself, not as, not as often as before, but like definitely, you know, um, it's something that I do have to, I, I do think about. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we're all awash with the system. Yeah. I mean, whatever we learned, like you were saying, Amy, you learned it at a very young age, however you learn. Right. And it's never going to be gone. Like, we can't make the things that we learned go away. Just disappear. Right? No. We just got to acknowledge them when they pop up and um, correct the contradiction. Yeah. 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 Because I know definitely that those internalized, some of those internalized messages can be very, very toxic for people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it, that is why I think it is sometimes so important to be able to really look at some of those, you know, internalized things when they, when they kind of pop up, when they get kind of like, you know, triggered. I know it's such a cliche word to say now, but, you know, you have experiences sexually and you will be surprised about how sometimes it there is a remembering that happens because I really deeply believe that our bodies remember, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, and so when you have experiences, maybe you'll have a sexual experience that then brings up like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that that part of myself was still a little bit hurt and wounded from that message that I got growing up. Or you might have kind of some sort of old narrative that pops up to telling you that you're not good enough or that it's, um, whatever, whatever message that might get internalized, but to be able to have awareness to say, no, that isn't good for my nervous system anymore to have that thought bouncing around my body. Yeah. Like, so when it comes to sexual messages, right. And yeah. beliefs about self and beliefs about your core sense of who you are, because some of those sexual messages that you get growing up are so related to your worthiness about your character, about, you know, just your, you're just, just really, truly your own sense of just normal human makeup of being a sexual person. Yeah. Sometimes those get shamed quite a bit, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's really important to like be able to have awareness around what kind of messages that might have been imprinted a little bit more deeply on your soul, you know, or penis yeah. or heart or pelvic floor, whatever it might be. <laughs> and then really be able to say like, how do I have compassion to those parts of myself that kind of experience pain from either words or 
actual physical experiences or whatever it might be. So. Yeah, and I feel like, and then once you get to that point of like, okay, now I'm aware and I can speak to that place, that's when it gets so much better. That's when it's like, it okay, I am level. standing in this this sexual being. <laughs> that's what yes. I, yeah, it just gets so much oh better. To be able to have your own, like, stand in your own light of your own, like, sexual power and your own authority you get to decide what you like and what you don't like and who you like to do it with and who you don't like to do it with and how you like to do it and how long you like to do it and what kind of music and if there's candles and what kind of words and like you get to choose i say all the time that your heart and your brain are your biggest sex organs yeah you know and so really being able to say how do i have like a brain that celebrates this beautiful oxytocin that is bursting through my brain and how does my nervous system receive the wonderful benefits that can come from allowing yourself to have beautiful pleasure in this part of yourself? Yeah, you know? and, I, and I think that's where we want to go next after we take a short little break. Is like how once you get to that place of awareness and you are allowing your body to fully embrace itself and you, whatever you want to call it, your spirit, whatever people will name it. But that whole connection where you just like feel this tremendous amount of like deep pleasure that's just radiating from everywhere and then you add into it on top of your own body chemistry the beauty of cannabis yes <laughs> yes yeah. mother cannabis mother cannabis oh she's so good to us yes. <laughs> so good to us yes. Mary Jane Mary Jane <laughs> like that welcome back do it again i interrupted i was singing along with you yo no 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 no. sing along sing along everybody in the world welcome back welcome back welcome back come on welcome back welcome back welcome back what's the the song i want to sing what can i say except you're welcome i know that that's from moana Oh, okay. I didn't know where we were going with that little puffins, but we're back. We're back, and I'm singing Moana. I'm Vibes. And this is Growler, and we are here with our dear uh, guest and friend, Amy. Hey. Hey. So we are, uh, <laughs> we are sparking up, and we are getting ourselves situated. I hope our puffins are out there doing the same Make sure you refresh those drinks. Make sure you have your smoke ready and ready to go. Be it your bowl, your bong, or your, your volcano. Your volcano or your vape pen. <laughs> your vape. Or, or your edible. Or your edible. I made some. Or your sublingual. Or your sublingual. Tincture. Tincture. <laughs> I, I made some brownies the other day, and uh, my roommate had one of them, and um, he told me he definitely had a 
brownie hangover the next day. Okay. <laughs> and he just brought me six of them. <laughs> so you're supposed, supposed to eat half of it. Oh, only eat half. Okay. I mean, I ate you the whole thing. You to drink more water. Yeah, yeah, more water. More water. So while we were on our break, Amy, you had a question for us. And I'm, I'm, I'm willing to hear what your question is. What was your question? The question was, how do you usually like to take cannabis, right? Or are you talking about the question before the break? Before the break. Before the break. How, how we okay, like to take... Okay, before the break. The, that yeah. question was, your history with cannabis and your sexuality. Mm. There's a story that inside of you that I want to hear from both of you. Mm. You want to go first? Um, sure. Uh, well, I think Mike. Well, I have a couple of stories with cannabis, but I think the first story that that I was actually, um, I was high. The first time I was actually ever high after in, indulging in cannabis, and it was a little bit of a sexy story, was, it was a while ago, a long while ago, and it was the first time I've ever tried a bong, actually. So I was with two people, um, in my hometown, and, um... We went over to this woman's house, mm-hmm. and she was small and petite, and she had this huge ass bong. Like she, I mean, she may have been maybe like four or six, and her bong was probably like five foot tall. Mm-hmm. I'm not lying. And um, I got high, but it was like a moment where I was like with a friend, but I thought she was attractive, but I didn't know. Like at the time, I was still like, oh, I'm, you know, you know. Like, we were talking about sexuality earlier. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I've... I have had attraction to women. I've had a girlfriend at this time. We've mm-hmm. been together for a long time, but I'm also seeing this woman, and we're all high, and so we're kind of, like, all kind of playing around together. Mm-hmm. And then I pass out, because I'm, like, overly high. <laughs> and then they... They... that The two there after that are later snapped all these pictures of me like they oh had a wig God. on and they were like taking pictures of me with a bong and stuff. so they didn't they violated my consent <laughs> i didn't wow. know that at the time but it was just my first um experience with cannabis and there being like some kind of sexual energy with it and then yeah and then later it wasn't until later i think um when i moved to dc because even in that time I had moments where I was like, oh, no, no to drugs. Yeah, I'm going to indulge in drugs. Yeah. Because I come from a family that some of my family members have struggled with drug addiction. So I was like yeah. not always pro-cannabis, pro-let's-get-high. Mm-hmm. And even if I was getting high, it wasn't something that I was sharing publicly. Yeah. And so yeah. I think... Because there was a family story around yeah. cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. And so it wasn't... And you had internalized a little bit of what? That, like, there was some fear around cannabis use? Well, not actually fear, but, well, maybe. You know, that idea that weed is a gateway drug. Yeah. And then, two, And then, two that, you know, that whole false notion. And then, two that, like, at the time, like, when I was coming of age, (laughs) you know, some 20 years ago, Cannabis was not something that people embraced, mm-hmm. you know? Mm, you know, yeah. people, it was like, you know, these people got higher, that people. Everybody yeah. was getting fucking high, but, yeah. yeah. And so I feel like it wasn't until uh, later when I was uh, in my... Yeah, and then you, uh, 
Yeah. The war on drugs. You just think about all that. Yeah, the war on drugs. Like, it's real. I mean, I know people who are still suffering from the war on drugs. Yeah, yeah, it's real. But I think it was not until, like, when I came to D.C. and then left and then came back and was like, yeah, like, okay. There's new understanding of cannabis and how it can be a great thing and it is a great thing and the stereotype of who's using not using and how they're using doesn't matter and I think it was a way of like it's almost like for me now when I when we smoke together yeah. or when we're playing yeah. to, if it's just like a um, a casual relaxant that yeah. kind of just makes yes. me feel very relaxed and um yes. Yeah, it builds, it, yeah, it just makes you feel like, okay, you want to, who wants to go, like you were saying earlier, who wants to go into a, a scene s- stressed? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. So, think that's what it is that for me. That energy is, think how good that energy is, though, for relationships. Like, yeah. think, like, you think about how you just said that, how you just described that connection that the two of you have. When yeah. you can just kind of relax a little bit, right? Yeah. It's so hard. Life is so hard sometimes when we take ourselves so seriously. So the, the cannabis energy comes with this, like, whew, like let's just get soft inside of ourselves, have that inner critic turn yeah. down a little bit. Yeah. Get present with yourself. Like, for me, cannabis definitely helps me get present with myself, right? Mm, yeah. And my body. Yeah. It helps my inner voice turn up a little bit. And I'm like, oh. I can hear, like, on a spiritual level, there's a spiritualness to, I know, I'm getting all woo-woo on you guys. Okay. There no, is, no, 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 go ahead. There is a spiritualness to the cannabis, for me, in, in for me, right? Yeah. Where there is that, like, that relaxing that you talk about. It's like, that is a real experience that when you are a little bit more of an experienced cannabis user, you know how to lean in a little bit, mm-hmm. right? So then when you can be an experienced cannabis user, and you can say, oh, okay, now how can I lean into this? sexual energy that it can bring you know and how can i use that to help it be healing and use that in a way that helps the flow like it's so chatty like cannabis helps you chat and talk and like be present and what what does sexual sexuality call for if nothing but being present thinking about your body being touched and like being sensual with a person and skin on skin and like all the endorphins that come with yeah. sexuality, baby, fixing <laughs> the THC, yes. and it's like your brain is going boom, boom, boom. It's like got all the endorphins, it's got all the oxytocin, and it's got the THC, and those like blow up in your head for an explosion of confetti in your mind, and your body's like, fuck yes, that's what's happening. Right, no, you know, such good, it's such good chemicals going on. Absolutely. So I love what you said, vibes. I was definitely vibing with it. Hey. <laughs> Any other any other parts of your story that you feel like are important to offer us? No, I think that, like I was saying, when you were talking about the explosion, I was also thinking, like, you know, I always am like, oh, an indica. <laughs> I, I don't want to really fuck with the indica. But as you were saying that, I was thinking, like, even though, yes, like, the sativa gets me giggly and talky and frisky and want to flirt. Yeah. And, you know, but when I'm in an indica moment, which is what growler really really enjoys and i'm sure he'll talk more about it yeah but it does create this very relaxed cuddly 
sensual kind of moment. But for me, yes. it happens so quickly that it's like, boom, I'm now I'm like in the couch, in the couch. <laughs> in the couch, you're in the couch, yeah. So but, does, do you notice any, any like, indicators? Do you notice either one of those make you more sensual? Yeah, I think Have that. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I think that, that, I think that that's what I'm saying, that, like, the indica really does bring the vibe to a very, for me, a very sensual, slow, sedated okay. kind of space. Mm. Um, but it's mm. because it's mm. in my brain, it's, like, mm. so rapid. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I need some, I gotta be energized. Like, come on, let's play around. Let's get over there. I'm like, <laughs> that's me. But That's why some people suggest, like, in, in, like, the cannabis world, a lot of people, when talking about sexuality, they say, look for a high that you have a deep body high but a clear head high, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of what they could say, kind of aim for that. So if you find... Oh, edibles help you. A lot of times, edibles do give people more of a body high, right? Have you noticed that? Uh-huh. Sometimes people say edibles bring a more of a body high, and sometimes a more body high can help in, in like terms of getting that sexual, sensual energy moving, you yeah. know? But, you know, but everybody's different. I feel like everybody has different reactions. It's so fun to hear, you know? I know for me, I, uh, I, I, had a similar story in that I was originally anti-cannabis. Um, <laughs> and it's funny. Oh, I never knew this. You know okay, I mean? come on, share with it. Come oh, on. Oh my gosh. Spill the tea. Oh, oh I love it. So, uh, because I had grown up in a religious environment, um, my parents were both weed smokers when I was younger, but it was also a time when cannabis wasn't legal and, um, and there were all of these ideas about people who smoked cannabis, like you said. And so, um, um, I was even surrounded by people, like, all of my friends were, Amy, I don't know if you know, do you know the band Fish? Yes, totally. Very hippie band. Yes, all of my friends were fish heads, and... Okay! Yes, I was... giving me a, a... Better, much better picture of what we're working with. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was, I was hanging. Agreed. Yes, I was around all of those folks. <coughs> and, and during that time, I was with those friends mostly through my undergrad. And I didn't smoke at all. Um, it was just not my thing. Um, and then by the time I had um, graduated and started working and you know, by the time I started getting off work, my friends at that time were people who smoked in the afternoons, and so I started, you know, I I buy a, a J here and there, um, and just smoke in the afternoon. Um, and for me, it became also the same time that I was like masturbating, also. So um, cannabis totally came into my world during during like me setting my patterns. In, in, in being like a corporate, not corporate American, but just like you know, like it became a part an of adult. That, yeah, adult. an adult. Um, but it it really, for me, was still like a lot of shame associated with it. So I maybe smoke a J through the week, um, <laughs> and I just use a little bit of it 
to get me in the mood and to feel sexy and to feel, mm-hmm. you, you know, to touch my body and feel um, like I can feel all the hairs on my legs and, and all of that. But it, it really started off for me as something that I was, like, totally rejecting. Hmm. Mm. This says a lot now. Interesting. It says a lot. Like. I'm I'm listening to you speak, and I'm like, okay, I this is new information. Did you know that I also didn't drink for the first time until I went to college? Like all of my friends were drinking in high school, and I had my first drink at a this party, and I had red wine, I had a single glass. I was deathly hungover. Um, and look how many bottles. I mean, not bottles, <laughs> glasses you can drink now. <laughs> <But> <laughs> But no, it's interesting because to hear you say that, and we don't really share a lot about our our intimacy and sexual relationship here on the show, but no. but it is very telling because most people would be like, oh, Growler is the high energy of the bunch, and so that means you know, that might transfer into like the space of our, you know, our yeah. sex yeah. life, yeah. but... He's really, yeah. like, he's like his weed. <laughs> he likes the slow, like, he's just talking about the slow, yes. intimate, you know, it was your way of, like, calming down. Yeah. And for me, <sighs> weed was, like, a, it's a party. It was always a party, you know, no. thing. So, it's like, I'm with my friends. Yes. We getting high. Like, we rolling up. We about to go out and party. We gonna be out all yeah. night. No. We're gonna, we're gonna turn up. Yeah, very much social because yeah. we were like, no, we not we not fucking with Connie. Yeah, but we can drink and we can get high, and um, and so that's how it kind of like that's why I'm like always okay. If we're gonna get some weed together, we're gonna purchase some cannabis. I want there to be at least a hybrid, or I want it to be a sativa. A sativa. Yes, because I don't want to be like down. But I'm learning how now. Yeah, yeah, for me, through for, you, I, yeah, for me, it was really around um, a lot of anxiety that I had uh, concerning my body, concerning my uh, yep. my penis. And no one wants a threesome with anxiety. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. and and no so one, for me, no one, no one. <laughs> <laughs> once a once a penis with anxiety. <laughs> for me, it was really about getting to a place where. I wasn't thinking about those things, and I, um, because, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think many people around me would know that I am a very anxious person, and, and I spend a lot of time, like, like, uh, over-evaluating the world around me, and, uh, and so for me, cannabis, and like I said, even to the point where I was privately smoking, you know, like, uh, it wasn't yeah. a conversation, it wasn't like a... Um, I actually remember times where I like accidentally saw someone that I worked with and I was, I was apologetic. Like, what do you mean? Like I was, I couldn't believe that they had seen me this way. Oh, you were high. high and, and I felt so guilty and, um, and, and, and now it's, <laughs> it's quite different. <laughs> giving yourself, like, looking back on that, that evolution of your experience around sexuality and cannabis and breaking some of this 
some of the shame and the stigma that you had about sexuality and that you had about cannabis, right? Yeah. And and it's like getting getting on that path, and it's like, okay, now here you are arrived, and you're like, it's really different now. And it's like, does it feel better in your body? Do you feel more aligned with yourself sexually? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And I know for me, like, um, for me, it, it, it really has allowed me to create, you know, because when you're high, you, you're, your inner monologue is a lot different. <laughs> You're yes, like that critic. That's why I'm saying the inner critic mm-hmm. is different. Okay, and yes, it sometimes can go to paranoia. But continue because yes, this is yeah exactly what I like to say. Yeah, it's like it for me. I'm only calling myself sexy when I'm high. Like I am like mm. you cute and really and you are soft mm. and you mm. and. Look at that thickness, and look at that, you know, but when I'm not, I, I can stand in front of the mirror for a long time, and I can mm. I can list, and the list is not always wow. nice. Yeah, wow. yeah, that's, that's really, um, yeah, growler. So then this is my theory, is that Mother Cannabis, mm-hmm. as that enters your body, turns that inner critic down, turns that sexual critic down, yeah. turns that sexual shame story down, yeah. mm-hmm. and then some of those inhibitions, some of those breaks that have been part of your sexual story, sexual self, thinking I'm not good at this, or I'm not enough this way, or my body isn't enough this way, or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. All those turn down, and then you're like, I am sexy, yeah. you right. know? Or you're like, how wonderful is it to have this beautiful penis head in my mouth, and I'm thinking about <laughs> the taste buds on my tongue against yes. the head of the penis, or whatever it is, like, you get so in the moment, because mother cannabis heightens your senses, you yeah. know, your senses are heightened in a way that if you can lean in, and you can turn off some of that critic, it helps you lean in to whatever it is, so if you're doing yoga, or if you're having beautiful sex with someone that you consented with or many people or one person or yourself or you're doing anything that you need to bring a presence to right right? i feel like that that cannabis that help of that whatever it lights up in our endocannabinoid system right whatever that is that gets lit up or our senses get lit up or our heart or our brain gets lit up or whatever it is that happens energetically when it goes into our system you can be suggestible to lean in to that sensual self yeah. and sometimes what you arrive at is this really beautiful raw version of your sexuality that is just the most lovely and I love when people can arrive there you know and I think like with the help of cannabis I've really for me personally have learned how to like turn down some of those scripts and narratives mm. that I had coming into my sexual self yeah. right and it's really helped me turn down some of those inhibitions and like turned up these like things where I'm like pleasure, yeah, right? You know, like being much more pleasure focused instead of goal focused around my sexual experiences, right? Yeah. It yeah. has allowed me to help me be present and in the moment, and that is such a cool thing for my sexuality. Because so I celebrate that. Because you know? that's what I was gonna say. Like in knowing, like talking about the the various strains and knowing those strains and how you respond to them, um, being able to dictate your own experience yeah. and providing yourself with a measure of pleasure because you know that this strain of 
cannabis is going to help you be in this way. It's going to bring forth these things. Mm-hmm. And um, I like that about that. Because... 100%. I always say this, too. Because I don't know what you're saying. I always say sex is a place you go, not a thing you do. It's a place you go. You create a container of your, for your sexuality. Yeah. Right? The two of you, you have a container. Me, I have a container for myself, and then I have a container with my partner. Right? Yeah. Right. And then I... And, and then when you can... When, how you're saying, like, you can know a certain strain and how it hits you, and you can say, ooh, yeah, let's, like, bring that into the container, you know? Granddaddy purple. And it just can... <laughs> Which is your, what's your favorite? Tell me, I love it. Grand, granddaddy purple. The purple yogurt. Granddaddy purple, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we love Grand, granddaddy. Granddaddy purple does, uh, does wonders for my life. Uh, <laughs> I love it. And, like, you think about it, too, on, like, you know, with, with anatomy and you think about blood flow, right, it really increases blood flow to our pleasure parts, yeah. you know? And so cannabis helps in so many ways to kind of, it's just, it's a sexy drug when you can lean into it. And we hope that everyone is leaning into it or taking the opportunity to learn more how they can lean into it. Yeah. Do you have any resources that you could share? <sighs> Around sexuality, okay. Or no, are there resources around sexuality and cannabis or sexuality and... They're, um, they're starting to be. And I took this course and it was the most wonderful weekend. It was it was called Sex, Cannabis, and Psychedelics. And oh my God, I, I want to be there. I <laughs> Can I sign up? Okay. Puff Love Book Club. Well, it was, I, it was funny because one of one of the presenters is these two black therapists that live close to you two, like mm-hmm. in the DC area. I will I will share with you their Instagram. Yeah, please. And it changed me. It changed their their conversation that they had for this group, where they were talking about the experiences of black and brown bodies and disabled bodies that have, mm-hmm. we have like on their shoulders is how we've gotten legislation to happen, right? And how scary a time it was to admit that you were a cannabis user for so many for so many people and women too and CPS and all of the systems that get right. so complicated in it all, right? And so I will I will point you to them. Um, and also, gosh, let me think. I, I, you guys caught me off guard. I need to remember um, the resources. Okay. No, no, no. Um, okay. There the problem. Okay, there is people. There's a woman named on Instagram is called Canisexual and she's talking about it. So they're, they're, they're starting to emerge, I think, more conversations around plant medicine anyway. I think plant medicine and the healing components of all of all of the psychedelics that could be healing that way. I think there's more conversations. Obviously, things are becoming more legal like in Oregon and things like that. Right. So I think that there's going to be more things on the horizon, but it's still a very new space. So I, I think that three of us are in very much a fun space of yeah. conversation. I think it's an interesting conversation. I think there is more resources that are needed, to be honest. Yeah, so and I, I love that we're talking about it. Me too, and I, I think that we could probably come back and have another conversation another time about just the idea of psychedelics, sexuality, and psychedelics. Yeah. Okay.
I'm going to go into a sexual experience with cannabis and my partner. And it is a safe place because your nervous system, right, is, is knowing it's a safe place. Right. Your nervous system is telling you, hey, you're going to have cannabis, everything's safe. It, the paranoia can be turned down. That script that you have about whatever your penis is supposed to be doing or not doing can be turned down. And you can just be present with this the experience whatever the container is that you created right so i do think that cannabis kind of helps helps enforce that container helps create it if you were intentional and that's why it's true you shouldn't you shouldn't you shouldn't like <laughs> be social with people that you like <laughs> that are safe. do weed with people that are safe right you know yeah Make sure you always do anything with people you're safe with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unless you're consenting to having some beer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, All, well, everything okay, with yeah, consent. <laughs> everything with consent. Exactly. Absolutely. Today, everyone, Little Puffins, the word of the day is consent. <laughs> <laughs> So that brings us to... Yes. Amy, we've enjoyed spending time with you. Before we wrap up our show, we would like to invite you into our Eat Puff Love Moment. What we're going to do is we're going to spin our wheel, and our wheel will tell us whether or not you will uh, respond to an Eat Puff or a Love. Are you ready, Amy? I am. Spin the wheel. The spin the wheel. The wheel is spinning now. Are you ready? And it is a most recent eat. Something that you've ate most recently that you really, really, really loved. Uh, Well, let me tell you, it's a food that I've wanted to eat because I saw it. And it's basically called a butter charcuterie. A butter oh, charcuterie. Oh, I've seen these. Butter. It's all butter? Yes. I've seen these. It's like soft butter, and then you put, like, salt on it, and then you put honey on it, yeah. and then someone puts dried edible flowers over it, and then yeah. you get to scoop your little piece of bread and, like, eat this, like, beautiful piece of buttered bread or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and so, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I want to eat that, you I know? Th- I, I, I Is it on a wooden board? Yes. It's just a, called the butter charcuterie board. Butter charcuterie board. Yes. It's, I've seen that online. But, but you know, I always wonder, like, do you need to keep the air conditioning on so that the butter doesn't all melt away? <laughs> because it's a really nice presentation when you see, like you said, it the is. flowers and the honey and all these right. things on this, this uh, waved butter. That is mm-hmm. of sorts, but well, if you have cheese on the side, you could have <laughs> grilled cheese. You could have a grilled cheese if it were melty. Mm. <laughs> but I do like cold butter on, mm. or like room temperature butter on a great piece of bread. Mm. And then, mm. like, you could put all the, like you said, like a little salt or a little. Vibes. I do have an eats question for you. Ooh. Because I just remembered something. Yes. So, do you remember that place we used to go to that had like a tuna fish sandwich? They put sprouts on it. 
I remember. Like, I would always make you come with me, and I would always be like, I have to get this for this. I'm like, this is <laughs> but I've never forgotten it. And now that we're talking about things to eat, I think we ate at a lot of wonderful places, you know? Mm, we did. And I'm sorry that you don't remember the tuna sandwich that I swear <laughs> you introduced me to. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, there's so many little delis around D.C. where you can get, like, that. It's like going to the, the Vermont Country Deli where you get the thick bread with the tuna and the yeah. sprouts. And yeah. yeah. I feel it like would take me to always so many good places. Well, yeah, Vibes loves to go to a good place and eat. I'm yes. telling you, I I didn't get to speak to uh, my sexual um, development since meeting Vibes. Oh. Um, and so I, I won't, but I'll do it. What? I won't, I won't, I won't, because... I would love to. You would? You know what? A never-before moment. Come on. I tell the people. Moment. Oh my gosh, this is behind the scenes. Well, I'm, I'm going to tie it back to food, so everybody be prepared for the conversation okay. to make a a Yui. So this is your eat moment. This okay. Is, this this <laughs> this is my eat moment. Long story long. Okay. Um, I was going to say that uh, it, it, the the since meeting vibes, one of the things that I've learned about my sexual self is actually what you've been talking about, Amy, and like setting the intention for who you who you are and what you want to what your sexual self to be. You know, I think about myself and I think outwardly people assume that I have no worries about, you know, my sexuality and and yeah. and I'm very comfortable. But what I've learned uh, from being with Vibes is I've actually learned how to love myself more <laughs> and, like, feel sexy. And you, you're with someone who, who sees how beautiful you are and appreciates who you are and encourages you uh. to be the best part of yourself. Um, and yes. they, they always say that Sagittarius people are always, um, always looking for the next adventure. And I will say that sexually, I feel like I've had an adventure and I feel like I've learned a lot about myself. And this is going back to the eat moment because I was going to say, because <laughs> you were saying how, how Vibes took you to a lot of really cool restaurants. And I was going to say, Vibes is taking me to a lot of cool everything. And... Um, and and I just feel grateful for that. Um, yes, that's that's my eat moment. I love this. Yeah, so like I mean a lot of things that I would have. I mean like real talk. What you talking about? We. I'm telling you, child. I have eaten all across the planet. <laughs> things that things that if sat on the dinner table I grew up at would be thrown away. <laughs> So, so yeah, like even the idea that we're talking about a charcuterie butter plate, <laughs> butterboard, you know, my my blood pressure is over here uh, asking questions. But oh, uh, I told you what you <laughs> need to do about that. <laughs> well, I have I have one more food story. I'm, I'm sorry. Do you guys need to go? We've no, go ahead. Give us one more story. Post, but I do have another five 
truth story. Go ahead. And related to sexuality, too. Okay. Ooh. So we were in New York City. Yeah. And vibes, I don't think I you had told me that you also liked boys. You know, or yeah, I don't think I had said had a conversation yeah. that you were gay. And so, but I kind of sensed it, I think. And you know what I mean? And, but then it's like, how do you bring it up? All the things, right? Yeah. We even had that long. Anyway, we were in a Korean restaurant eating Korean food, like kimchi. Right. It, and it was like 2 a.m. in New York City. And there we were having this late night conversation. And then I was like, vibes. Are you, do you like boys? Or it was in the bed. I don't exactly remember, but I remember that Korean restaurant. Right. We had such a fun conversation where finally you were telling me that you were gay and I was asking you all the questions and you were telling me your story. And it was all over Korean food and I'll <laughs> never forget it. So I know, we isn't have that really cr- fun memories with food with vibes. I love it. The kimchi jjigae. I know, and this is before I even ended up living in Korea. And yeah, definitely, because at the time, that's how I saw myself. This is pre-Korea. This is pre-Korea, yeah. Wow. Foreshadowing, that's what Foreshadowing. But yeah, you're right, Amy. Why is the foreshadowing? I don't know this part of the story. What do you mean? Because after you and I being in New York and me having like that, you know, like sharing with you about how I saw myself at that time, my sexuality at the time, right, identifying as gay um, at that time, and how later I go off and live in Korea and teaching in Korea and exploring my sexuality there, Mm -hmm. you know, and experiencing now I'm having this idea of I'm a bisexual man Mm -hmm. and, and having that whole experience. And then coming back and trying to like fit myself back into this gay mold, yeah, that you know wasn't really who I was, but that's how I decided to be in that moment for whatever reason, right? And now having this whole like 180 degree spin and be like, no, nah, this is what I was before. I'm a, I like who I like. <laughs> I like who I like. And I, like and I enjoy I like. eating. And I enjoy <laughs> eating some food. But that, food that exactly and other things. Coming to that space. Coming yeah. to that knowing. Of saying, I like what I like and it's okay. And that it's just who I am. And I'm just going to find pleasure and joy and be confident in that. That is the getting to the knowing of self. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, it's a beautiful place to be. It really is. I love to hear all of those words. Those were beautiful words for my ears. Yes, it's a beautiful place to be, and it's been a beautiful conversation with you, Amy. Yes, yes, yes. You too. You hit the you too. I'll take it. Yeah. (laughs) So, Amy, if you have, I know that you you're on um, sabbatical right now in your practice but if our listeners our little puffins wanted to get more information from you or follow you on any social media site is there anything you'd like to offer up i mean i have my personal instagram is amy half a-i-m-e-e-h-e-f-f you can say hi if you want to talk about anything from 
slide into my DMs and don't send me any pictures, but just say hi. Right. No. Uh, I guess that's probably my main place, I guess. Yeah. But right now I am not seeing any clients for Okay, a while, you hear so. that? Even though you know that you... You'd probably want her to be your therapist right now. She's not taking new clients. So, folks, just if you're going to slide in the DM, no body yeah, part pictures, totally just point, to hide. I can totally point to good therapists, sex therapists, yeah. through the ASECT website, which is the American Association of Sex Educators, Therapists, and Counselors. If you just type that in, it will come up. You can search by your city and find sex therapists that are trained and that can be culturally competent in helping do any work around sexuality. There is so many good ones out there. There's tons of great ones that you can also find that are doing great work on TikTok and Instagram. There's great, great conversations around sexuality right now out in the, in the world. Yeah, so, and that's partake. what we need. Yeah, we do need more of that. I agree. Because if everybody's Thank having you. sex and it's consensual, I think... This world would probably be amazing. World consensual Everyone just orgy needs day. to get a little high. <laughs> get a little high. Maybe we could all just relax a little bit, you know? <laughs> Thank you, Amy, for yes. being on our show. We, we have you. appreciated you. you. We Maybe love you. Part two. Part two, part two coming soon. But until part two gets here, all of our puppets, don't forget. Puppets. Puppets. <laughs> all of our little puffins. Our little puffins. Our little puffins. Enjoy our show. Check out all of our other episodes and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Etc. Etc. Subscribe. Subscribe. And follow, like. And follow, always remember and to. Always remember to eat. Puff. Love. All right, little puffins. Till next time. Join us by subscribing to wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and remember to eat. Puff. Love. love.